You're listening to The Message from the Hillsborough United Methodist Church, our weekly sermon broadcast available for working around the home, your commute, or wherever God calls you to listen. Okay, so first things first. I know that English grammar would have the title of the sermon be, and now you're all looking at your paper. That was amazing. As soon as I said that, everybody was looking at the bulletin. The title of the sermon by proper English grammar should be, To Whom Do You Listen? But I am not a Shakespearean actor. Oh, Sarah's got an opinion. You know, I'm not worried at all. Excellent. Okay. If you could rephrase it and not end in a preposition, yay. But if it makes it more complicated and confusing, then leave the preposition. Went to worship at an English lesson, broke out. This is amazing. I've forgotten how much I didn't like how people talking back. Why, why, Sarah says she's worried about me spreading bad information as though that's not been the case for the last 11 years. <laughs> so here's the story. Most of us, when we see a sentence or a phrase that ends in a preposition, we hear some English teacher from our junior high or high school years saying, that's not appropriate, you do not end. For me, it was Mrs. Edwards in seventh grade, God rest her soul. You probably hear that voice as well. Maybe your voice is now Sarah telling you, <laughs> telling you it's okay if you can end the sentence with a, prepos- without a, pre- with a preposition, it still makes sense, great. But if it, it makes more sense, if it's sensible to do it and not have it in a preposition, that's also even better. So there you go. It's a guideline, not a rule. Lesson learned. And it should be to whom as opposed to to who. I get that. But that's not how most of us talk. But whether it's English grammar or some other sort of rule about speaking or writing that you hear a voice sometimes in your head, don't you? That says, oh, don't, 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 don't. That is a sign of an effective teacher. I didn't say good or bad, <laughs> but effective. I had a professor in college who Uh, gave us day one, along with the syllabus, a long list, two sides, at least two pages, I think, of writing errors. And it was not just about grammar, but rather arguments and, and all kinds of like just small little things. For example, a novel has a very specific definition. I don't need to hear it right now. a certain number of pages, it's a work of fiction. So that little short thing is not a novel. A thing that is based on, you know, is historical is not a novel. A novel has a, 
And if you wrote novel and referring to a book or a tome or a whatever, he would write and go rule number 42. And you'd have to go look on your sheet and find rule for, oh. So when I'm writing, I always see and hear Dr. Glenn McClish saying, oh, Clay, you know. Those voices stick with us. And some of those voices in our lives, we don't get to choose. Maybe even most of the voices in our lives, we don't get to choose. We don't choose our parents. We don't choose our teachers. We don't choose the mentors that we connect with along the way sometimes. The coaches that we have. I was a basketball player. From the time I was in diapers, my parents have pictures of me playing basketball in a little homemade hoop this tall. And in, and in seventh grade, I went out for the school team. It was the first time that they had school basketball teams. I was the last guy cut from the school team. I know. But then there was a city team for all of us scrubs who didn't make the school team. And since I was the last guy cut from the school team, I was the best guy in the city league, which was great. And I had a coach, a lovely fellow named Bobby Gaddis. I still was a friend of mine all through life every time I saw him. And uh, when I would shoot, especially if I was, because I was tall enough that I played like the center down close to the basket, I would often just shoot straight at the basket because that's more fun. It's more stylish. It looked better, I thought. But I would sometimes miss. And the safe thing to do if you're shooting close to the basket is to use the backboard. You shoot, you hit the little corner of the little square that they conveniently draw on the back of the backboard, and it goes in almost automatically. So a whole season, I remember hearing Coach Gaddis from the sidelines yelling, backboard, Clay! Backboard, Clay! And then when I got the next year, I made the school team in the ninth and 10th grade, I was on the school team and Coach Gaddis had a son who was on the school team. So when I would be at the school games, Coach Gaddis followed me and from the stands, <laughs> backboard, I cannot shoot a basketball to this day without hearing him bellowing from the stands. Those voices stick with us. And they shape who we are. And we may not get to choose all of the voices in our lives, but we better be really careful about which ones we do choose and which ones we choose to give weight and attention to. Last week, Jesus had the encounter with the devil. He's out in the wilderness after 40 days of fasting and praying, and he's tempted, turn the stones into bread, inherit the kingdoms of all of the earth, throw yourself from the pinnacle of the temple, and God will catch you before you are dashed on the rocks below. There's another kind of temptation that comes. We've now fast-forwarded till much later in Jesus' life and ministry. He's now making his slow way towards Jerusalem. He has been teaching and healing. He has performed miracles. He has shown people something of the kingdom of God. 
And as he is making his way to Jerusalem, the Pharisees, with whom he's had plenty of moments of contention, the Pharisees show up and they say, you need to be looking out because Herod's out to get you. He's going to kill you. Get out of here. And it's not clear in that moment what the Pharisees' motivation is. Luke doesn't give us any insight. Sometimes the gospel writers will say the Pharisees said this to test him. But we don't get that here. The Pharisees just say, look out, Herod's going to kill you. And it could be, in fact, that the Pharisees are genuine and concerned about Jesus. There's actually a pretty strong argument to be made that Jesus either was a Pharisee or had been coming up through the Pharisaical community. So he might have been somebody they knew and loved, even if they fought over theology and understandings. It was because they were so close like a family sometimes fights. It could be that the Pharisees had ulterior motives. It could be that they had given up trying to argue Jesus out of the work that he was doing because they always lost. And so they thought, well, maybe if we just scare him away. Look out, Herod is coming to kill you. We don't know the Pharisees' motivation, but we know that Jesus hears voices from people he knows and has respected and encountered and engaged with, and they tell him he should be afraid. And Jesus' response is, I mean, roughly speaking, you go and tell that fox. That's not a compliment that I said, I'm healing and casting out demons, I'm doing the work I'm gonna do, I'll be there eventually, he can kill me when I get to town. But right now, I'm not stopping. If this was a rap battle, <laughs> Jesus just won. He's not afraid. He ought to be, maybe. Herod's not a joke. But he refuses to be afraid because the voice that he hears more powerfully than the voices of the Pharisees is the voice of God calling him to the work that he is called to do in establishing the kingdom, in casting out demons, in healing the sick, in proclaiming the good news, in setting the captives free. He doesn't worry about what the Pharisees say because he is hearing a different voice. We had better be careful about the voices we choose to listen to. And if you didn't think that before, the last two years have been a pretty good lesson in that, don't you think? If podcasters with no real scientific education or understanding are telling you how you should make decisions about your health and the health and well-being of yourself and your community and your family, you're listening to a voice that is not helpful. If you're listening to voices that tell you you've got to be afraid of people who are different than you, 
because they come from a different land or a different place, because the color of their skin is different, because they speak a different language, have a different culture or a different religion than you are, and therefore they are dangerous. You're listening to voices that are not the voice of God. If you're listening to voices that tell you that gay kids and trans kids cannot get the medical help and care they need. They cannot have safe places to talk at school or anywhere outside of their family about what they might be struggling with or what they're trying to understand about themselves. You are listening to a voice that is lying to you. There are so many voices in our world right now. It is the upside and the downside of the age in which we live. We have to be careful to, about to whom we choose to listen. We have to be careful about which voices we let shape who we are. We gather virtually and in person in part to practice the listening to hear together the voice of God speaking. When I asked earlier during the story time, how many of you recognize the voice of God and everybody in this room, even the ones, there were people who raised their hands, but nobody did so without some fear and trepidation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is kind of the right response, I think. We ought to be cautious about claiming that we hear the voice of God somehow better or more distinctly than somebody else, because the people that do that are often quite dangerous. We gather in a community so that together we can begin to hear the voice of God. We discern together where it is that God's kingdom is calling us to be. It was like, what, uh, nine and a half years ago, on a Sunday morning, in the middle of a sermon, just sort of unexpectedly, I said, shouldn't our church look more like our community? Shouldn't we have Spanish-speaking folks if 50% or 40% of the people in our neighborhood speak Spanish? Shouldn't there be some Spanish speakers here? And if I'd been the only one that said that, nothing would have happened. I mean, probably some things would have happened. Like, some, I got an angry letter after that. And maybe some people would have been, oh, it was interesting. But what happened after that, as soon as I said that, were that lots of the folks who were gathered on that Sunday went, yeah. And it wasn't because it was my brilliant idea. It was just this spark of a moment the Holy Spirit said, oh, try this out. Okay. And what happened after that? Because together we discerned that the voice of God was in fact calling us to open our arms and our building and our community and our lives to people who are different than we are. Something like six months later, 
the cabinet says, hey, we got this guy, Jorge. Can he come stay in your building a while? We go, oh, yeah. We didn't have to think about it because we had discerned that God was calling us and God said, fine, well, here's the next step. When we've opened our doors and said to our Hispanic Latino brothers and sisters, you are safe and welcome and loved and celebrated here. It's not because of something I said in the sermon. It's because together we have listened to the voice of God and discerned that this is what God is calling us to. We have to be careful about who we choose to listen to. But brothers and sisters, let me promise you, when we listen carefully together for the voice of God, when we root ourselves so deeply and firmly in our understanding of God's kingdom that we read about in Scripture, that we learn from one another, when we are so willing to take a moment to hear the Spirit speaking, extraordinary things can happen. Jesus is unafraid because he has heard the voice of God calling him to establish God's kingdom in his life and everything he does. We can be unafraid to be a place that welcomes all of God's children to the table, that says to our LGBTQ youth, you are loved and celebrated here. You are safe. We can be a place that says to our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters, you are welcome here. To our immigrant brothers and sisters, you are safe and celebrated here. To all of those people who have found that there is no place in which they are welcome or safe or celebrated or honored, we get to say you are loved here. Because we have heard the voice of God calling us to be that kind of a place. So we keep listening together to those voices. And I promise you there will be voices that say, it's easier another way. You'll be more successful if you weren't so this. You know, it doesn't, you could, you could get by with not being as inviting and inclusive and welcoming. You shouldn't do this, it's wrong. There will be voices that push back against the thing that we have heard ourselves called to be. But we are not afraid because we hear the voice of God calling us. And that, my friends, is the good news this day. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the message from Hillsborough United Methodist Church. Our senior pastor is Clay Andrew. Our pastor for Las Naciones Hispanic Ministries is Jorge Rodriguez. Our media ministers are Kevin Proctor, Janica Stewart, Perry Hume, Al Dietrich, Christy Proctor, and Dave Rose. Presently, our live stream of services are available at 10 a.m. on the Hillsborough United Methodist Church YouTube page. You can find out more, like us on Facebook, or subscribe to our YouTube at hillsboroughumc.org. Thank you.